we have this problem that there are actually three dimensions of prophets which I've tried to share in the past. But the first dimension of prophets is that the entire believers are referred to as prophets. So when God said this about all five, verses 15 and 16, as they move from one nation to another, from kingdom to another, he suffered no man to do them wrong. He took things for their sake, saying, Touch not my anointed, and do my prophets plural. Do my prophets. Who are the prophets? The people of God. Do my prophets know how. So in one setting, all of the people of God have an element of that prophetic spirit, and which is why you also can know the mind of God, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 that as sinners are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So every believer has that element of uh, like a compass within him that can point the direction he needs to go. But the second dimension of prophecy is that the ministers of God are referred to as God's prophets because they speak for God. It is this setting that uh, uh, the, the king would say in 2 Corinthians 20, verse 20, uh, uh, he will say, Jehoshaphat will say, I believe in the Lord of God, so shall you be established. Believe these prophets also, so shall you prosper. But yet, in the New Testament, we discover the ministry of the prophets. We find men like Agabus, who were prophets of God. Now, just for us to understand what we are going to experience this weekend uh, as a prophetic competition, you need to understand this, that uh, there are also three dimensions of prophecy that we find in the New Testament. Now, the primary duty of a prophet is not to prophesy. Once you say everything has been that you should just begin to prophesy, but that's not the primary function of the prophet. We discover this in the Bible, we there is what the Bible calls the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19 and verse 10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when people testify about Jesus, meaning what Jesus has done in the past, what Jesus is doing, what Jesus will do, when you begin to testify about what the Lord is doing, it is the spirit of prophecy. And you realize this. That the Bible expects that every believer should be able to prophesy. In Romans, first, first Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3, uh, Paul said that uh, I, I, I wish all of you would speak in tongues, but rather that you may pro- prophesy. Uh, in verse 4, okay? Verse 3 says, You prophesy. Verse 5, verse 5 is what I was quoting. I wish all of these people would just, but even more that you prophesy. So all would prophesy. Down that scripture, down that chapter, he got to a verse where he said that you may all prophesy one by one. Every believer should be able to prophesy. It's called the spirit of prophecy. 
But then there is a higher dimension which is the gift of prophecy. Which is the gift of prophecy. Now there are nine manifestations of the Spirit which we are not dealing with today. So what time we we'll look at it more fully, the word of wisdom, uh, which is the ability to speak the mind of God concerning the future. This is the predictive element of prophetic ministry, the word of wisdom. Then there's the word of knowledge, which is insight concerning people's lives or events that has to do with the present or the past. There is somebody here, that's the word of knowledge. Okay, there is the discernment of spirit, the ability to distinguish the different manifestations, present or the ability to see into the spirit world is the discerning of the spirits. And then you also find uh, the gift of faith, which is not the faith that you use to receive results from God. This is God's faith when it comes as an impartation to you to enable you to receive a miracle. But then there is also the working of many miracles. There is the gifts of healing. And then you find, uh, I have missed one or two, it's okay. You have the gift of prophecy, you have the diverse kinds of tongues, and then the interpretation of tongues. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, the Bible says, was not on the gift of prophecy. The purpose it says, um, He who prophesies uh, speaks unto men, uh, speaks toward edification and exhortation and comfort. Now, in the Old Testament, whenever you had prophecy, you always expected it to be a prediction. The prophet prophesied, but even in the Old Testament, all prophecy was not predictive in nature. Isaiah was a prophet. Yet every time he spoke, he wasn't just prophesying. In chapter 40, verse 1, for example, he was encouraging the people, comfort you, comfort you, my people. Uh, tell Jerusalem that she shall be comforted, she will have a trouble for all her trouble. Now, that wasn't anything, you know, like a prediction of gospel, the Lord, this is going to happen. He was encouraging them. It was more of a pastoral uh, uh, message. Now, in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy, please take note of it, write it down if you have some of the things I'm teaching you. The gift of prophecy does not have any elements of prediction in it. The gift of prophecy in the New Testament does not have any element of prediction. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That is prophecy as a gift as we find in the manifestations of the Spirit here. Now, but there is this third dimension, which is actually the word of wisdom and manifestation, where one can have insight into the plan and the purpose of God as regards the future and declare it to men, which is the predictive part of what we would call in general terms prophecy. I don't know if I'm bringing light to you anymore. Now, so. When it comes to us as New Testament believers, we all can prophesy. Because prophecy are given to the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and the ministry of the prophet. Where a man is called as a prophet. And so when he prophesies, the anointing is stronger than the believer just uh, declaring. Now, but in our dimensions as believers, you find that prophecy has to do with one. First telling. First telling. 
which is proclamation. You can prophesy where you make declarations concerning your desires and expectations. But number two is foretelling, which is the predictive aspect of prophecy. But there is something else that prophecy does to you, it imparts grace to you. I've shown you how Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 14 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. And he tells that see, don't neglect the gift of God that is in you, which was given you by prophecy. So when words were spoken over uh, the, the, the Timothy, uh, he was impacted with, or if you produce the word impregnated with, the purpose of God. There was an impartation. That gift was given to me by prophecy. Praise God. I'm telling us this so that we can open our hearts and be on the same page and expect God to move supernaturally in our lives this weekend. One of the ways that you can have an increase in the manifestation of the Spirit or an increased uh, manifestation of signs and wonders, one is knowledge. Then, talk about prayer. Because if the people do not know that God is still moving, they will not even expect Him to move and they will not use their faith to draw from Him. Which is why uh, we will find so many scriptures in Matthew chapter 14 around verse 34. Uh, Jesus got to an area called Genesaret when the men have knowledge of Him. They sent all two people all around them and they began to bring all the sick and they saw that they could only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made every whole. But you see, that desire came because they were informed. In Mark chapter 5, for example, there was a woman with the issue of God that kept the Bible said when she heard of Jesus, she came in the first day and pushed away until she was able to touch Jesus when she heard. Somebody told her about a Jesus who was the miracle worker. If she never had, she would not have had a desire. If she never had a desire, she would not have followed through. If she never followed through, she would not have had a miracle. So what is necessary for us to teach people for them to know that God is still doing miracles? Miracles are still real because God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I am the Lord, I change not. So if God was ever a miracle worker, it makes sense to believe that He still is a miracle worker. So when we have such knowledge, then we can come every time expecting Him to move supernaturally in our midst. Praise God. Then we can also pray. Follow the prayers we pray on Tuesday night online and on Thursday night was that there will be signs and wonders in this program. And we are scriptures for it because in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, the Bible said when they had their trainings, they prayed and they said, Lord, grant unto your servants that we all talk and they will speak your word by stretching forth your hand to you and that signs and wonders will be wrong. They prayed that signs and wonders will be done in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered, you know, they uh, were shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke about the word of boldness. And what happened? The multitude of those who believed were one and one, so and so and so forth. And you'll find that, that, that uncommon miracles began to happen where people began to even lay the sick uh, on the street so that when Peter was passing by, just the shadow of a shadow of the people, uh, there, 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 
testimony of the miracles, praise God. Hallelujah. So, in dealing with the theme for our discourse this weekend, the compass of destiny, what do we mean by these two very powerful words? It's very important. The compass of destiny. Uh, which one do we take for? The compass or the destiny? Compass. compass. Okay. Dictionary.com defines compass by different definitions. One is an instrument for determining directions. Okay? As by means of a freely rotating magnetized needle that indicates magnetic norm. So, in a place like an ocean where there is no road, how the ships know where they are going to? There is a compass that points the direction they should go. The same thing with the aircraft. There is no road in the sky. So they make use of the compass to know the whole and going off tangent and they, you know, so there's a compass that guides them. Praise God. But then, compass also means the enclosing line or limit of any area of perimeter. So the compass of this stage, okay, the enclosing line or limit of any area. It also means space green limits. Area, extent, range, scope. Hallelujah. Even some would mean a range, like the total range of tones of a voice or of a musical instrument, the compass of that voice. It also means view of proper limits, moderate bounds, which means their behavior strain within the compass of propriety. They said within the compass, uh, one one of us said, I love the younger brother. You know, whenever he comes around, one of the things I respect him for is that he understands boundaries. He knows not to cross the line. He operates within the compass allowed him. Mm. Then it also means a passing round or a second the compass of a year. But Miriam Webster Dictionary defines compass as a boundary, a circumference within the compass of the city walls, as an example. Then it uses a scripture from the Bible where the Bible said they made a compass of seven days' journey in 1773. So they say that compass means a curve or roundabout course. A curve or roundabout course. So we made a compass. We made a compass of Saturday's journey. And then some other definitions are similar to what the other dictionary defined. But then it also talked about direction. His moral compass. Direction is moral compass. Now, what do I define compass as? I want to combine two definitions to bring the intent that we have for this program. What is the fact that it is direction of your destiny, but also the boundaries of your destiny? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not liberty to sin, but liberty from sin. 
nothing we can do anyhow. Grace is not license but licentious license. There is a compass or a boundary within which we are allowed to operate. Um, when you have a football pitch, there are dimensions that mark out the pitch. You can play anyhow, not only within the pitch, but no matter how stylish you are, once you are outside that line, anything you play there is obsolete and is not regarded. You can get outside and even through the team, put your head, no one for you, but he moves, he moves, it's unglorious. Even in the Old Testament, where God led his children to the promised land, he got to certain territories on their journey, and God said, don't trouble these people, because I'm not going to give you their land, not even one inch of their land. Don't touch the children of Ammon, don't touch the Moabites, don't help their people, They will not attack 
kwa Maria was another woman that was making use of God in signs, wonders, and mighty miracles. When God called her to preach the gospel, she resisted the God. What was her excuse in those days? It was on hand of that woman we are preaching. The best men could do was to handle the children's class or Sunday school, but not to go out and preach. It was then when there was so much prejudice as far women should give silence in the church based on their misinterpretation of what Paul was supposed to have said. Because if women truly had to give silence in church and get the Bible said, quoting Joel chapter 2 in Acts chapter 2, when the Bible said, when on the door of Pentecost, that this is a fulfillment of that which was spoken by Joel the prophet that in the last days I will go out by the upon all flesh. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall see dreams, and upon your servants and your men servants. So, if they are men servants, men servants, women are going to prophesy, will they prophesy in the bush or in church? Agabus had four daughters, virgins, who prophesied. Where did they prophesy? Now, so Maria Bonetta would not answer the call to preach. And then tragedy began to strike her life. One child died. The second child died. The third child died. The fourth child died. The fifth child died. What was the law? I surrender. Now, was it God killing her children? No. But because she was outside of the compass of her destiny, she was operating in an area where she did not enjoy supernatural protection. Oh, it's like, listen. The American ambassador here has immunity. He cannot be arrested by the Nigerian police. Let him move to Togo. Anything can happen to him because he is out operating outside of his jurisdiction. He's somebody listening to him. So that's the definition of compass. What about destiny? The word destiny is very easy. And yet it's often confused. The word destiny has to do with the word destination. Destination. Destiny has to do with your destination. Now, the dictionary will try to tell you that destiny means fate, you know, whatever is predetermined, here, zero, zero, which one will be, will be. You know, that, that's their understanding of destiny. But you see, God's uh, definition of destiny has to do with that which God has set out for you. Not to do or to be. That's what it's wrong to assume. I'm a child of destiny. I'm a destiny child. Whatever God has said, I will become. I will become. Whatever God has said is mine. It's mine. Now, it sounds good. It sounds true. But it's not entirely so. Let's look at scripture and then we establish some of the things I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter 1 from us. We'll do some reading tonight. And I just want you to follow me. We're going to go out in the next 45 minutes. Alright, Ephesians chapter 1 from us. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of
people in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven. New Jesus' spiritual blessing, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world. Now, this is very instructive. When did He choose us? Come on, when did He choose us? Before the foundation of the world. Now, if we were chosen before the foundation of the world, were we in existence before the foundation of the world? Hello? Okay. Let's keep this scripture here and go to Jeremiah 21 verse 5. Let's compare scripture with scripture so that we have understanding. Jeremiah 21 verse 5. Before I found you in the womb, I knew you. Does that suggest that you existed before you existed? Before I found you in the womb, I knew you. So I knew you somewhere before you were planted in the womb. Before I found you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Which means, Jeremiah's destiny was already set to him before he began his life. So, is it possible then that Jeremiah could have become anything else other than the prophet he was ordained to be? Now, that's something we need to discuss. Is it possible? Because God said, I ordained to the prophet before you were born. And so, when he answered the prophetic God, he was answering Sakalimu Shantaya. Give me 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13, quickly. 1 Kings 13. This message is being recorded because I wanted to listen to it over and over and over again. 1 Kings chapter 13, please, very fast. from Judah to Bethlehem by the word of the Lord and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, God says the Lord, behold a child, Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the heaven and his own incense on you and many men's bones shall be born from you. Now, by the time this prophecy was made, it would take years before the child Josiah would be born. Remember, the people of the Old Testament did not have the Bible on their lap that we have it today. They had different books, the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah, hello. They had those different books written out in scrolls like they marked and came in their synagogue to a little uh, a small uh, you know, on the that they made for worship. Now, so if you needed to read the book of Isaiah, uh, in those days, what they did is a Sabbath after Sabbath, uh, a, a rabbi or a teacher would stand up, 
to read to a particular portion and then gave an explanation or an exhortation of what that meant. And he would stop somewhere. The next Saturday, another person would come. That is why the day Jesus came to the synagogue, that was where Isaiah chapter 16, there were no chapters in the Bible. There were no chapters. But that was when there was supposed to be Isaiah 61. And so Jesus stood up for three because a rabbi would stand up to read so when he stood up, the agenda gave him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And so he opened the place and said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to preach deliverance uh, to the captives and coming of sight to the blind and to heal those that are preached and to preach the acceptable of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the agenda, and then he sat down. And all eyes were passed on him. And then he said, The this day is this in your eyes. Because that was the fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And he said, this day, if, can you imagine the very first thing happened to the priest? They were so angry, they broke him up, they were going to him outside, kill him. But the Bible said, for he passing through the midst of them, he just walked on heart because he knew he was a son of destiny. He said it was that no one can take my life from me. I have received power to lay it down and I have power to Put the DVD in my laptop 
and kept watching one and then until the laptop part of the battery light went out. So I had to sleep by force. I woke up first in the morning, I forgot to pray. Light had come back, the laptop had been charged. So I continued from where I stopped. When it was time to go to the church office, I carried my laptop to the beginning to the church office. And I couldn't wait for us to pray, finish our prayer. For the first time of my life in church office, I was watching a movie. First time it happened. And then somebody will knock and put a lot of yes, bless you, come in. Thank you, Jesus, to come. Come and I think there's a come and bless you, sit down. They must have wanted to see the end of that thing. There's one guy that said, you know, what thing you want to I went back home again and continued two days. I did not read my Bible, I did not pray. I wanted to see the end of it. At the end of the day, the man did not die. I was so fascinated. Anybody I met, I wasn't sharing the word of God. I said, Have you seen him there? His name is Jaspa. They said, Well, I said, Are you not? I said, Did you have this disease? I said, Ah. You mean the guy asked about this disease? And I was keeping myself away because I thought I was going to kill him. That's when I remember what they told us as kids. When you see a movie, there is always an actor. Sometimes there's a boss. Then it doesn't say some words possibly. There's an actor, there's a boss, but the actor never dies. So, when I got season two, it took me weeks to finish because I realized the actor will never die. Because if the actor dies, that will be the end of the film. <laughs> so, I now realize this that in the center of life, I'm an actor. Playing out the script written by God concerning me. And I was shut yeah. Yeah. Jesus yeah. found the place where it was written on me and he acted it out. Whose script are you following today? It's a question about us. Whose script are you following your life? Because it's written on you that God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and Christ Jesus. Can you begin to act blessed because you are truly blessed? That the scripture is true, Psalm 118, verse 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the work of the Lord. Why? Because of the actor. If I should die, the book will end. But I've read the script. That there are more seasons downloading. Hey, so I'm going nowhere. I'm not communicating with somebody. So that has to do with destiny. But then, when it comes to destination, you need to understand, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, that just because God has set a destination for your journey does not automatically mean you will arrive there because you can refuse to take the journey. You can refuse. The kids in our church were doing a travel once. I was here, so they told me when I went back to Ibadan that it was funny that some of the adults almost fell off their seats. The children were playing after the drama, and then one of the little ones said something. And the other said, No, that's not what I was supposed to say. You're supposed to say this. <laughs> and that was the part of the drama. I mean, it became so funny. Now, because she was, they were the one who got her life, I would say something else. So somebody else was trying to correct her, not realizing that they are on the stretch. So it's possible. That either because you have forgotten your line, or you did not read the line very well, or you have been confused or frightened, you begin to add another part that is not your path. 
we are bringing life to you. We are bringing revelation to you. We are bringing information to you. You will confirm to God's will and purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's go to Ephesians. Let's read verse 4. Verse 4. Just as you trust us in Him before the foundation of the world, do you realize that Jesus Himself is said to be the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world? But then Adam had not even fallen, Adam had not even been made. So how could the Lamb have been slain? Because God had already seen the end from the beginning. He knew man would fall, so he made a provision. So in the mind of God, everything had been carried out. Just like the script that is written. So when it is being played, it is not when the movie is being acted that the script was written. The script was written, they only carried out the play. Praise God. So God had written the script, okay, we are going to make man. Yes, man could choose a girl, so he would fall. If he has to fall, we will have to redeem him. So Jesus would have to go down and die. That's why he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, so even in the mind of God, before you were born, God had already chosen you because it was written. It's not very important what I'm saying. Have you read in Hebrews the table? Jesus said, I have come to do that way in the volume of the book, it is written on me. So he came, he didn't come to discover oh, now that I've been born, what will I do? No, there was something, there was a path he needed to play, so he had to enter the theater of the movie so that he can fulfill his own part. He finished his own part, you will not take over. Come on, am I sharing something? Am I preaching? Just as he jumped up in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy. I will just bless before you may love next us. Having predestined us. What is predestination? Predestination is made up of two words. There's the prefix that is pre and then the, the remaining is destination. Two words. Anything you see pre means what? What is the word pre? Before. So predestination is to set a destination before you begin the journey. Predestination does not produce you from the power to choose. Predestination is not there, sera, That no matter what you try, God has already predestined. This is what we will become. You find some people refuse to go to school. It's not my destiny to go to school. They have looked and they have seen that school is not my line. So you find a family of dead people, all of them are learned except one who declared. Not because he's dyslexic. But because there are some of my four children, the last one seems to be the sharpest. The problem with it is that getting to sit down is, is an outdoors task. To get him to sit down for 30 minutes is an issue. Okay? The older ones can read, they can sit down at the same spot for two hours, three hours reading. They can even sit and read longer than I can sit to read it. But that last one. But you see, this one that is so innovative, uh, a lot of ingenuity, when the remote control scores, 
uh, even from the age of five, he can open the thing and try to find out what is wrong. Uh, which is not, is not, is not afraid of electricity. He sometimes goes to the fuse box and is removing this thing and just and looking like wire. From the age of ten, you go like what some of you cannot stand where he is not afraid of that. But we take him to sit down. So we might as well say this one book is not his line. He should go and read mechanics. You know, sometimes what we want to go sit down and read. Before the next, you know, you have to stop. We say, see, there's a mechanic workshop behind. We will send you there, you go and be apprentice for mechanics. No, it's the way the mind is working. It's more engineering life, just like me. I don't like to sit down and read for too long. So, in order to, because I know I must read to get information, what I do to encourage myself is that my interest can easily be shown me. So if I'm reading a book after two, three chapters, not because I'm tired, I just want to read something else. So even from school, what I did, if you came to my school, in my room, in my secondary school, you may see me reading parts of this, all the books open. I will read small here. After 30 minutes, I've lost interest. So I started reading chemistry. I read and I read and I read. After the formula of this confused me, I read it again. I'm starting in mathematics. When the mathematics formula jumps in, I'll move to something else. And, you know, purpose like that. Now, I have to cooperate with God in order to get the destination that He has set for me. A lot of people. So it's not entirely the prerogative of God that since God has determined this is what I'm going to be, whether I can or not, I'll become it. No. Okay, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time to my gathered together and one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his witness and scripture. So he has to console to see what is in the script, what is pent up in the way. Then God will walk all things according to the counsel. He takes counsel from his will. God cannot even answer your prayers because you are crying or shouting or fasting. No, he has to console his will, his counsel. Should his prayer be answered? He said, Well, according to what is written, if he can believe, he can be saved. So we have to save him and not somebody. So, God works all things according to the counsel of His will. Next verse. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the purpose of destiny then is talking to us about this area of circumference wherewith we operate within the divine destiny that God has set out for us. I don't know if I'm blessing anybody. Glory to God. 
If you are getting any money, anything at all, shout hallelujah. Now, since God has all power, why does he not use his power to make me become what he wants me to be? One of the things that you need to understand about God and about man is that when man was created, he was created as a free moral agent. Man was created as a free moral agent, which means you have a will. And if you have a will, which means you can use the will. If you can use the will, it means you can use the will against God. That's what it is. You are not a robot. You have a choice. Nobody compared you to come this evening. Anybody that was invited, that felt is your choice not to come. They might have chosen some other options. They have chosen might have compared them to be somewhere else. Or they have decided to go on a journey or on a project of their own. But anybody that came, planned ahead or looked at the prophetic convocation and you made your way here. As you were coming, some might have said, should I go or should I not go? The one power of the other said, go! If you don't go, I'll kill you! Were you selected here? No. You came of your own free volition. You came of your own free will. You decided to use your will. If God could just use his power indiscriminately, there would be not one sinner on earth. He would have compared everybody to be saved. He would have used his power to make everybody to do the right thing. There would have been no evil in the world. But because man is a free moral nature, he has the power to choose and power to make decisions. So your destiny has been set before you were born. That is the concept of predestination. But when that you embark on a journey to realize and to fulfill destiny, it's no more in the hands of God, but in your hands. God is not a witch. A witch is not only something that lies in the night. Because the Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse 19 that these are the works of the flesh. Adultery, uh, fornication, wrath, um, uh, envy, and all of that. And among the, 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 the works of the flesh, he also mentioned witchcraft. And he's talking about what were the flesh of human beings. Not spirits. Human beings are the witches. And he's talking about works of the flesh of believers. So, there could be witchcraft in the church. What is witchcraft? Witchcraft is to try to take authority that is not your own. Illegitimate use of authority is witchcraft. Which means when you try to dominate or manipulate or control people, it is called witchcraft. Because God is not a witch, He cannot do anything against your will. If God would violate your will, then God would be a witch. So 
God cannot cause you to do anything. He can only appeal to you. He can try to persuade you. He can try to bring conviction to you by his spirit, but he will not cause you. You also realize that like, even the devil cannot cause you to do anything. Unless you cooperate with the devil, the devil cannot force you to do anything. Which is why for the devil to get you to do anything, he will have to either tempt you or seduce you or deceive you. He can never force you. If he could first you, force you, he will not need to tempt you. Are you one of I'm talking about your own uh, part to play in the fulfillment of destiny. So whether you fulfill destiny or not is left to you and not to God. So God's desire is that you would cooperate with Him in bringing His plans to pass in your life. What God tries to do in raising us as preachers is to bring a word to you to reveal to you your part of the script so that you can fall into alignment and allow God to have his way in your life. Therefore, every prophetic word that is given to you is a possibility and not an inevitability. Let me repeat again. Every prophetic word that is given to you is a possibility and not an inevitability. What that means is that if by the Spirit of God I begin to talk to this young girl about the future that God has for you and you will be great, you will end up studying medicine, you will be a medical doctor and through that medical practice you are going to help a lot of people and the grace of God will be imparted to you and I'm talking to you about the portrait of your future as revealed to me by the Spirit of God. Yet, that God has said is not an assurance or guarantee that it must come to pass. And that it does not come to pass does not mean I'm a false prophet. That it did not come to pass does not mean God has lied because a lot of people consciously or unconsciously abort their destiny. So prophecies do well, not because the prophecies are not genuine, but because prophecies are possibilities and not inevitabilities. And I will show you from scripture. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So for every word you receive from God, you have a part to play in bringing the world to pass. You that are listening to the whole Bible is a prophetic word to you. But it's in every part of the Bible that is manifesting in your life. Come on, come on, don't have confidence in the one person. Let me give you an example. There's confidence in the one person very quickly. Peter was writing about their experience at the Mount of Transfiguration from the 18th verse. He said, We were with Jesus on the Holy Mount when we had that word from the excellent glory to be you. But then in verse 19 he says, we have the prophetic word confirmed. The King James says we have a more sure word of prophecy. So, Peter is saying, even though we were with Jesus on the holy world of transfiguration, when we had a voice from heaven saying, 
Jesus, we have a prophetic word that is confirmed. We have a motion word of prophecy. What is that motion word of prophecy? It's the word of God. The word of God is greater. It's the greatest form of revelation ever given to man. The word of God is the greatest form of revelation given to man. Greater than the vision you see. Greater than the prophecy any prophet will give you. The word of God, which means no prophet can give you anything that is contrary to the word of God. No vision can appear to you that is contrary to the word of God. So you have a a part to play in bringing the word of God to pass your life. Let me give us two very profound examples from Luke chapter 1 and from 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Luke chapter 1 and 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Praise God. Alright. Luke chapter 1, let's read from verse 5. Very quickly, let's read this a little lengthy, so let's be very fast. There was the days of Herod the king, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah, of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, but they had all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, but they had no child. See, that look up the church and do everything, just mean everything will go well with you. Somebody who is not prosperous, hey, he must be working in there, but he's obedient. They must, no! They were blessed, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. And so he was there when he was serving. He did not proclaim from serving, even though he did not have what he wanted, but he knew he was born to serve. He was made to serve. He considered the place of service because God will always bless people that serve him. You shall serve the Lord of God and you shall bless your bread and your water. When he was serving as priest before God in the order of his vision, according to the custom of the priesthood, his Lord went to what he says when he went to the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when the Christ came, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, the Christ, full of prayer in his heart. And the word that the Lord will be unto him, so and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And you will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And you will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and in disobedience to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to David, How shall I know this? Oh, I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now it looked like a legitimate question. But let me read from the Living Bible translation and then you will discover why the angel was very angry with him. Why did he say in that verse? He says, How can I be sure? No, no, well, uh, translation, okay. How can I be sure this will happen? Now, outside this, that there is a difference between you asking God questions and you questioning God. There's a difference. There's a difference between you asking God questions and you questioning God. The character was questioning God. How can I be sure this will ever happen? 
Listen yourself. How can we do so? Is it the first time they have said that this is the year of two problems? I've been hearing this. Eh? They are just see how old I am. Eh? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where have you been on this one? It's not your company. How can I be sure this now? Now, go back to read in Genesis 19. Yes. Okay, verse 19. And the angel answered and said to him, I am different. Who stands in the presence of God? And was said to speak to you and bring you this land. And behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in your own time. Now, the angel was merciful upon Zechariah. He said, If you allow you to keep talking, you will spoil this thing. So I'm going to press the mute button. Alright, just be silent and watch the wonders of God come to pass and that will be fulfilled in their time. Now, let's go to verse 24. Let's see a different scenario. You know, when you have a movie, sometimes you have two main characters, okay? They show this money and then they move out. So let's look at the second character in this movie. Now, after those days, it's where Elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying, you know, the Lord wanted to take my thoughts among the people and so on and so forth. Go down. Now, the sixth one, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. The third angel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she said she was troubled at his head and considered what manner of preaching this was, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you are found faithful with God. And behold, you will proceed in your womb and pray for the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. He will call the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then very suspicious, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Doesn't this sound similar to what Zechariah said? But look at the New Living Translation. Give me from the NLT. Let's see the variation there. What is, was she really saying? But how can this happen? Zechariah said, how can I be sure to happen? But he said, how can she was asking for explanation? What Zechariah was questioning God, she was asking God questions. How can this happen? So, the agent explained to our next verse, New Kitchens, next verse. And the agent answered and said, But the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month of her. Who was called for it? I pray that after this prophetic confirmation, somebody's identity will be changed. People told her parents before God changed her identity. This is the one that was called. The man that was born blind said, I was blind, but now I see. May God give you a story. May God give you a new identity. May God turn your life around completely. May people not be able to recognize you after this weekend in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay? But we thought nothing is ever impossible and 
or impossible of fulfillment. Which means, when God gives you a word, the word is a seed that has pregnant vitality to bring itself to pass. All you need to do is to allow that seed to land up in the soil of a believing heart. Am I telling this story? Next verse, Pastor. Can you see the response of Mary? New King James. Then Mary said, Behold, the next servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She allowed herself to allow the prophetic word to come to pass. Let it be to me according to your word. If your word says I'm blessed, let it be to me according to what I'm blessed. If the word says I'm rich, it doesn't matter what my bank account says, I am rich. If the word of God says I am healed, it doesn't matter the kind of pain that I feel in my body, let it be unto me according to his word. Let it be to me according to your word, and then tell the father from her. Then she decided and went to the hill country with the rest of the city of Judah. And so on and so forth, and entered the house of the career and greeted Elizabeth. Go down to verse 44. That's the verse I'm interested in because of time. And verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of the religious started in my ears, the bed leaped in my way for joy. Next verse. Blessed is she who believes. Why? Come on, somebody talk to me now. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which we have told her from the Lord. If she never believed, would there be a fulfillment? No, so, blessed is she who believed that there will be a performance. So, if you want to see a performance of that what God has promised, you have to believe that what God has said about you is true. Can I have an amen? amen. Praise God. Second portion of scripture. Second portion of scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Let's end with this. Second Chronicles 34. Quickly. From Chronicles 34, from verse 1. So Josiah was just old when he became king and he ranked at one year in Jerusalem. John, because of time, to verse 7. John to verse 7. And when he had broken down the altars and the wood he made it, because now, who, who are we talking about here? Go back to verse 1. Let's not rush. Let's not rush. Remember, in first Kings 13, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel and prophesied in church and in born by the name.
So he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and all around, with axes. And when they had broken down the others, the wooden images, and beaten the cap images into powder, and cut down all the incense for that spot on the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. In the 18th year of his reign, when he had passed the land of the temple, he sent Shadrach, the son of Azariah, the lord of the city, and so on and so forth, to jump down to verse 15. Jump down to verse 15 because of time. Jump down. Then he answered and said, The sharp man, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord, and the king had kept the book to Shaphan. So Shaphan carried the book to the king, bringing the king words, and all that was committed to your servants, they are doing. And they applied the money that was found on the son of God. Jump down to verse 18. Jump down to next verse. Then Shaphan described the king, saying, The king and the priest have given me a book. And Shepherd read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king had the word of the Lord and he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Ikea, and he came the son of Shaphan, Akron the son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah the servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me. And for those who are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. So he appeared and thus the king and appointed went to wounded the prophetess. They were of Shalom, the son of Tokhat, the son of Asra, keeper of the words of Shiloh in Jerusalem, the second quarter. And they spoke to her to that effect. They shouted to them, Thus says the Lord of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me. Lord says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and its inhabitants and so on and so forth. Uh, go down to verse. Uh, okay. Uh, and, and all the consternation, the moments they have read before they did personally buy. Because they have forsaken me, and God here says, and so on and so forth. Next verse. Oh, for the people of Judah, who said to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to you. Now, concern is very carefully. Thus says the Lord of Israel, concern the words into your heart. Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you had his words against this person and against the inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me, and you told your words and wept before me, I also have had you, says the Lord. Surely, I will gather you to your fathers. And you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Uh, can you highlight or underline, you shall be gathered to your grave in peace? This is very important. This was from a prophetess who they went to inquire the man of God, and this is what she said You shall be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought that word to the king. Now, save this verse of scripture, and I want us to jump down, and you're going to see wonders today. You're going to see wonders. Go down, 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 and where the name of King of Pharaoh was coming to war. Have you seen it? Leave it verse 35. Now Josiah gave the passport to the Lord in Jerusalem. Read it in not chapter, the same chapter, the same. Okay, just the 35 verse 20. Give me verse 20. Just the 35 verse 20. After all these ways of Josiah had prepared the temple, never people of Egypt came up 
by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. Next verse. And he sent messenger to him, said, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but against the house with which I have walked. For God commanded me to make him. Refrain from meddling with God, who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself so that he might hide with him, and did not heed the words of Nepho from the mouth of God. So he came to fight in the battle of Megiddo. And the archer shot himself, Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem. So he died and was buried in one of the tombs of his father. And all children and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also lamented. If they probably have to lament for him, why did they lament? Because this is a man who had a word from God that you will be gathered to your fathers in peace. Yet he died a violent death because of insensitivity. There was a clear prophecy how he would end his life. He went to meddle with a battle that was not his own. Stop putting your hand where it does not concern you. I've seen young men these days who have no regard for dignitaries who will take on elders with no recourse to, to, to the fear of God and wash them in public. They are punishment for destiny. Don't meddle with God's servant. The Bible says, Who are you to learn any chance against the elect of the Lord? Before his master he rises or falls, and God is not going to hold him off. Don't follow them to believe speak all kinds of things against the anointed of God. You do not put them there. If they are not doing what God said, then they are not going to judge them. It's not your place. Josiah went to fight a battle that was not his own. And his destiny was not shot. It's not what listen to me. So, what I'm trying to establish here is that the prophetic word is a guided missile that will hang over you until it comes to pass. Yet, you have a part to play in the fulfillment of every word that God gives you. So how then can you bring the word of God that you receive both from the Bible or from the mouth of the servants or through a prophetic word or a vision? How can you help bring that word to pass? I'll give you very four keys in two minutes. Number one, you must believe the word of the Lord. David Pastor to the duty perspective, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets also, so shall you prosper. So when a prophet, a man of God speaks a word to you, believe it, accept it. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, Paul said that one of the things I'm excited about and paraphrasing is that when you receive the word of the Lord from our mouth, you did not receive it as the words of men, but you received it as it is the truth. The word of God which also worked eventually in them that believe. So when a prophecy comes, you don't discard it and disregard it and say that man is on his own, he's talking his own. And I know what I want to do. No. Believe the word and so shall you prosper. Amen? Amen. That's the first thing you need to do when the word of God is written. Number two, you must learn to war with that prophecy. War with that prophecy. For first Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I've said to you that prophecies are possibilities and not inevitabilities. Which means that God said it must come to pass. That God gave me a prophetic word, that God gave me a vision, 
does not mean it must come to pass. It, there is no guarantee it will come to pass. You have a part to play in bringing that world to pass. You must come from the living and first Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. This chance has come to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by death, by this prophecy, you may watch, wait the good woman, holding faith and a good conscience, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected your sense of faith and suffered shipwreck. And he gave examples. Now, why do you need to wait more with a prophetic word? Listen to me. Every time God gives you a word, it stirs up Halabushakaya. What we're going to grant contrast. When a word is given, a word is not just an empty thing, it is a potent force. It stirs up a movement in the realm of the spirit, both from the kingdom of God and from the kingdom of Satan. When a word is given, the kingdom of God is at the back of that word to come into pass, but the kingdom of the devil is also rising up to make sure that word doesn't come to pass. And I can give you an example. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, what was the word that came from heaven? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The next chapter opened up and Jesus was led of the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil and was the wilderness for the fasting and when the days were ended, they came back and said, what was the first temptation? Is that be the son of God? That was the last word he had from heaven. This is my beloved son. That was the first word the devil engaged in a fight. If you are the son of God, call me son to pray. Jesus said, I don't have to do anything to prove who I am. Some seeds fell by the wayside. The birds of the air came and took them away. Some fell on rocky grounds. They smelled immediately, but they had no roots in them. So when the sun was up, they were stuck. They were withered. Because they had no roots, they dried up. And Jesus, in his name, said, The ones that fell on stony places are those who will receive the word of God with joy. While the preacher was preaching, You are blessed, amen. You are rich, amen. He's going to be one with you, amen. No emotion before you, amen. They are so excited. But the devil also has the word concerning you. So it begins to engage you. And because there is no root, you only have what the preacher said. You are not allowed to germinate in you. You have no root in yourself. You only have roots in what the pastor said. You only have roots in the God of your bishop. You have no roots in yourself. You have no covenant relationship with God established to know your right and your left. You have excuse your offended because the heat is torn on. And the Bible says when affliction comes, the world's sake. In that, I don't have time for that to Matthew 13 or, 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 or Mark chapter 4 to explain the parables of the sower. He says the words that fell on, on stony grounds, he says when affliction arises for the world's sake, the reason affliction comes is because the devil wants to steal that word from you. When he attacks, he wants to receive that prophecy from you. He wants you to begin to doubt that prophecy. He wants you to begin to doubt what God said. That's why he said to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, if you must get the prophetic word to come to pass in your life, you must pray with that word. Pray with that word. 
It's not enough that the prophet of God has said. It's not enough that God has said. Read that scripture and pray. Let me give you two scriptures quickly and we go. Daniel to the land from verse 1. Quickly. Daniel to the land and verse 1. Daniel 9 verse 1. And then second Samuel to the 7. Daniel 9 from verse 1. Quickly. Daniel, 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 Daniel. In the first of Daniel, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was making over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I said by faith, what the Lord to make, to the Lord God to make request by prayers of the nation, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandment. Now, when Daniel read the prophecy of Jeremiah, they were still in captivity for 70 years. They were in their 70 years. They were still captivity, but because he read in his prophecy, he now went to prayer. He went to carry that prophecy to God in prayer. It's like God said, I think it's for seven thirteen verse two that says, Take your word and return to God. I check it is for seven thirteen verse two quickly when I mentioned it, put it up there. Okay, he said, Take you with your word and return to the Lord. Okay? Uh is that Hosea? Uh, give me verse one. Give me verse one, let me see. Verse one or two. Uh not Hosea. Uh, give me chapter fourteen. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say, we take away what you need to do. Receive us graciously for we will offer the sacrifices for our needs. So you don't go to God and say, God, have mercy. Say, I don't say, Mama, I give you no God. Shut the country and show Lord. I understand you. No, take with you words. What has he said about you in the script? He took he said, This is what you said, and this is what must happen. Hello, somebody. Can I still show you one scripture? So that can help us to pray accurately. Second summer to the seven. Second summer to the seven. Second summer to the seven. Okay. A little bit some minutes above our close time. I'm going to take you back to the number of minutes that you came there for. Now, it came to pass when the king was still in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. That the king said to never the prophet, see now I go in the house of Sida for the house of God where sees that ten curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, God do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. About it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go on, tell myself and death, don't say the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt into this day. But I move up in the tent and the temple and so on and so forth. Now go down, 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 down to verse 18. Because of time, we would have read it through. Verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Lord of God? And what is my heart that you have brought me this far? And yet, this was a small thing in your sight, Lord of God. And you have also spoken of your servant as for a great while to God. Is this the matter of my own, Lord God? Now, what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are praying for Lord God, for there is none like him or is there anyone beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. Uh, verse 25, jump down to verse 25. 
12 said. Alright? The words that God established as 12 said. So let your name be magnified forever. Saying the Lord of hosts and so on. I will turn down to verse 28. Verse 28. And now, O Lord, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised this goodness to your servant. And now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. What was that he doing? He was telling the prophetic word he received from the prophet Nathan that God said, I will establish your house forever, I will establish your throne forever, I will establish your kingdom forever. And he went back to God and prayed that God, that God has spoken, let it come to pass. Can you see the part who play and predict the word of God to pass? Finally, number four. If you are going to align with God for the prophetic word, find for you now in your life and your destiny to be fulfilled, you must be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit of God. You must be sensitive to the promptings. It's not as if God has spoken and going to be great. If God has spoken and going to be a blessing in this world. If God has spoken and going to be cross nation and you go to sleep. No, you must be sensitive when God will take you to arrive. Which means this God does not want to bring anything to pass without your involvement. You must carry yourself along with God to bring a fulfillment of every word that you must be involved. It's not as if God has said it's all. Then you just sleep and you wait to see. And the day that you will come, the alarm will just come. The day no. You have to be aligned in your spirit and walk with God from season to season, from face to face, until that word comes to pass. That was the problem with Josiah. He had a great prophecy over his head that he was going to be gathered as far as a bead, but because of his insensitivity, that word did not find fulfillment and he was unable to fulfill his destiny. But that shall not be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. For everyone here that God has put thought concerning as we saw Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I know the thought that I have for you. Plans to give you an expected end. Your destiny will not be truncated. Your destiny will not be derailed. You will not be a part of a wasted generation. You will not perish in the wilderness like the children of Israel. You will fulfill destiny. You will fulfill purpose. You will fulfill your days. You will bring purpose to the glory of God. Your life shall bring praise to God in the mighty name of Jesus. No evil shall be born No place shall come down your dwelling place. The Lord shall preserve your going out. He will preserve your coming. The Lord will order your steps aright. It shall be well with you. God will take you from where you are and set you where you belong in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout out to me, amen. Give your hands 60 seconds. Just bless the name of God. Thank you for your life. Thank you for his comfort. Thank you for the destiny that is ahead of you. Glory to God. Give him praise. Give him praise. Please give him praise. Thank you, Father. 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 Come on. Don't be said once more. Then bless the name of God for your life. It shall be one of you. Let me take the process of the Lord of us.
Oh, oh, oh. 